Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. How are you going tonight, Will? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I am tired. Uh, yeah, obviously it's been a big weekend for me. I've watched zero football. We'll get to that in a second, but um, please make sure as I hit the sponsors very, very, very quickly, part of the Vault Studios podcast, head over to there and support Jay and the boys. College football down under at CFB down under uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, and Burnley Brewing, who I cannot wait to wet a baby's head with a fresh and chilled Burnley Brewing beer. That Absolute. would be fantastic. I cannot wait to share that with you. Uh, I certainly enjoyed a few over the weekend, a few too many. Uh, I, I got through most of them. Delicious, uh-huh. fantastic, loved them. Um, they're not hangover proof though. So if, if that's <laughs> okay, something good. they're going with, that, that certainly still happened. But uh, no, fantastic. <laughs> point. Fantastic uh, supporters of the show. And we've been lucky enough for them to arrive. And yeah, I'm, I'm really loving them, actually. Oh, okay. Well, feel free to just keep some aside. Would be great. We'll see how we go. You know, kind of mean. No, well, maybe J.A. can send us a um, box. Yeah. <laughs> God, here we go. Uh, yeah, I, I caught very little uh, college football this weekend. Um, and I'm not embarrassed to say so. Uh, the English baby has arrived, so it has been a pretty frantic uh, kind of three days, I suppose, but all things went relatively well, um, and I'm exhausted, and you just cannot, no matter what people say about that experience, it does not really come close to how it all kind of plays out in some respects, and they're like, oh, you'll be tired. It's like, yeah, I've been tired before. I've been on footy trips. Like, I know what tired is. <laughs> And like, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not that bad, but it's like, fuck me, this is relentless. And there's a point where you're like, oh, it's okay. Someone will just come and take this kid away for a period of time and just give us like eight hours. That doesn't happen. So yeah, it's like a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Ooh, you did it. Yeah. No, it's great though. Um, Enjoying it so far learning there yeah just nothing can prepare for that anyway let's move on into some college football very very quickly um we've got a lot to get to Uh, a lot of things happened over the weekend in what appeared to be a pretty kind of not so exciting slate of games certainly turned out to or didn't eventuate that way there was a lot of quality games a lot of close games a lot of near misses and we're going to hit all them in a second but Having not watched the games, it's it's weird. I don't have a feel for how the week kind of played out. I, I kind of get a sense from looking at the scores, but it's funny, probably this is the first week of college football that I just have watched none. And um, it just feels weird because you don't get a sense of what the general theme of the weekend is. So you're going to have to lead the charge here, mate. I can certainly do that. I mean, it was fantastic. We've had a cracking start to the, to the season here. But like week one delivered and then week two... Like, in the moment, it really felt like it was chaotic. Like, there was shit going on. There were all these upsets. And then it's only when I look back now that I'm like, well, not not really. Like, there's a few here and there. Don't get me wrong. But it's not this whole earth-shattering, like, the whole top 10 loss sort of thing. But there's, been, there's certainly been enough. I mean, we've seen Ohio State and Clemson lose already. And we're in week two. That normally takes fucking years to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and I'll I'll touch on that later because I've got a I've got a little hot take on that. Um, the only bit of news probably coming out of the week that isn't game related is the fact that BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati are moving to the Big Twelve. It has become it is official now. So those teams will be joining. I didn't get a year. I I, I can't help any more than that. So you're gonna have to jump in there. Will. I so, no, so I think their current deal with the American, the three teams from the Americans, 2024, they're talking about BYU coming in 2023. Uh, there's obviously a fair bit to be played out in terms of the timing of this because then there's Texas and Oklahoma who are ejecting out and that's currently set for 2025. So do we play with 14 for a little while there? Or how, how this all kind of shapes up is still a bit up in the air. But those four teams were extended an offer. They've all accepted it. It's happening. The Big 12 is staying alive, baby. And it's spread across the country now. Uh, I'm assuming the furthest west, it now becomes BYU in Utah. And the furthest east you have, we've got West Virginia, but then now you join a Florida school in there as well. So West Virginia feel less 
isolated over there, I suppose. Um, and you get a massive city in Houston as well. So um, an interesting one in terms of Cincinnati, geographically. Cincinnati's big city too. So a couple of it big is, markets there uh, in, in big cities. And the, other, the last bit that I'll put on this is do not necessarily think this is the end of the expansion too. So we, we have had it brought up to 12 and, you know, you would think, yeah, the big 12, it would make sense. But obviously they haven't been playing with 12 for a long time now. And they are saying that there is potential that they could continue to expand and maybe add another couple as well. So so wouldn't rule that out. Um, who, who does that have to be? Like, sure, the big issue I see with this, and this has always been the way for the Big 12, is that you've now brought up four what were group of five teams effectively, or three in an independent. There's no heavy hitter there. Like, it doesn't matter how many teams you add, they're not replacing a Texas or an Oklahoma in terms of um, tradition and, and impact and power and gravitational pull in the sport. None of these teams have got that. So, what are the, what has, has there been th- any schools thrown out there as as yes. suggestions for these last two spots? So, the suggestions are along the lines of your Boise State, obviously, uh, Memphis, SMU. Th- those programs are, are kind of the ones that they've talked to there, uh, and I think the reason they do it is. Obviously, they're trying to expand the footprint, trying to expand the the viewership that they've got in there. Obviously, that needs to be split more ways when you do that. But you're also more likely to have one team peaking in in that cycle. Like if if you don't have the powerhouse like we've talked about, then if you've got a wider net, then like it's Cincinnati at the moment, right? They're in the top 10. If they're playing in the Big 12 and win the Big 12, uh, and go undefeated, they're a likely playoff candidate. If UCF have yeah. that year, if it's a Boise State are able to bounce back, like, I think that's probably it. You've got a wider range of guys. Well, I don't think that plays out like that when you have this kind of middling group. You just get a whole bunch of teams like the Pac-12 that kind of beat yeah. up on each other. And, Feasting on each other, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it, but I, I could see the logic behind that. I mean, that's more entertaining. Like we've said, like the Pac-12 is, if, if it is anything, it is entertaining. <laughs> um, so we will hit all of those games. And obviously more news to come here on the Big 12 um, and, and conference realignment as well. This is not over. This will continue to grow and develop. And um, if we're certain of one thing, it's that it'll be uncertain moving forward. Okay, uh, let's get to our very quick 360 recap. Come on, build. The Pac-12 started the day so, so good and then finished so, so bad. Will, what's happening to your Pac-12? Oh, look, it's it's not so, so bad, I guess, with Stanford beating USC because Stanford's a Pac-12 team. It's just that USC are the ranked team. They were supposed to be the ones that were really good and they got blown out in their own home stadium. So that was pretty devastating. Utah, another ranked team that we were hoping could provide something this year, got done by a BYU side that is returning all, like, no one everyone is new in that program so for them to go and win that rivalry was a big surprise to the two of us and not good for the conference California went on the road and lost to TCU which I think we both expected that was quite a close match but they lost so they had a really good start they had that marquee win that we were saying needed to happen would be fantastic could happen they got it and then the rest of it just didn't play out to really help build that conference up the Cyhawk Trophy stays in Iowa Good news, bad news. I mean, I I think it's great news for Iowa. They've been playing really good football to start this year. They've put together two complete performances and they completely outclassed Iowa State in this one. So I think that's five on the trot for them. Six, I believe now. Six. Six. So they're absolutely dominating that one. And uh, Iowa State would be absolutely ruining that one because this is supposed to be their year. They've built it. They've got all this experience and they've been well and truly outclassed there. Texas doing Texas things again as they have their first taste of SEC football. Things didn't go so well for the Horns. That environment in Fayetteville was something else. Like, there's some games that you watch when you're watching a game and you don't notice the crowd. It's all about the, the, the what's playing out on the gridiron. That game there, the crowd was as much an impact as anything else. Like, you could just sense the electricity in the arena, and they fed off of that, and they absolutely dominated Texas right from the get-go in this one. It almost felt like Arkansas were representing the entirety of the SEC. 
and proving that just because you're a big money program, if you come along here uh, into our conference, you need to actually earn your stripes first. So um, I kind of liked it. Yeah, there was, was a bit of that. I had a bit of a smile on my face for sure. Pig suey. Uh, all right. Now, lastly, my last point on this is we love chaos on this show. And you mentioned earlier, Ohio State and Clemson lost in back-to-back weeks, which is awesome. Um, things could have got even worse for some top-ranked teams as well. So um, we'll hit a whole bunch of close calls, but A&M nearly dropping the ball there. Uh, Miami got close uh, and... And, you know, there was a whole bunch of, of near misses for ranked teams. I see what you did there with that A&M one because he, he was kind of punching it in and he dropped the ball right on the line and you said drop the ball. That was good. Lastly, for me, and I do want to say this, the playoffs have felt predictable. They've felt really, really predictable for years now, so almost since the playoff became a thing. But, but with these losses of this top team, that sweet temptress of college football wearing her alluring perfume of hope has pulled me back in again. I was becoming particularly jaded. Now it feels like the big dogs may not be there in the end and I'm back around it. I'm excited again for college football. Miami is shit still, but Oklahoma dodging bullets, but college football may be good in the playoff this year. So hopefully... You know, a couple of these teams now can miss out. Ohio State drop another one, Clemson drop another one, and we see some different teams in there would be awesome. If the, we continue on this trend of the matchups that we've seen, the upsets, the games that are playing out the way that they are, if we continue on this pace, we will have the best season ever of college football. Like that, That's the sort of start that we've had with these upsets. Yes, it, we're asking a bit for this to keep up, but there's every chance that we could see this happening. And I, I don't know if it's the super seniors or what it is that's playing into it, but so far it has been fantastic and it could continue this way. We, we said the same thing early we, early days last year as well, though, with the Big 12 taking a beating from the Sun Belt. And then there was a few losses um, elsewhere in week two. And we sort of were saying the same thing. We haven't seen upsets on this scale, but eventually it kind of worked itself out. Admittedly, last year, none of the, their real heavy hitters lost, which has happened this year. Uh, but I am I don't want to put the, horse, the cart in front of the horse just yet. Uh, but I would love for that to, to happen and I would love for some more losses. I don't see Bama losing, but if, if some of these other teams can, you know, maybe drop their bundle a little bit or continue to st- show signs of struggling, coming back to the pack, that is what we want to see. That's where, you know, college football's never had parity, but at least some of these dynasties rise and fall. And we may hopefully, hopefully see the fall of a couple. No, you know what you know what's going to happen. These big programs have been knocked down a bit, but now we're going to see that carnage. But it's going to be all the other teams that are in front of them, and then they're just going to move slowly, move up, yeah, and then yeah, feel the yeah. same top four again. Yeah, and they've lost early, so it's all good. All right, let's get to game recaps now. I haven't pulled anything together in terms of sound bites here because I've got a kid, and I don't apologize for that. So that is just the way it is this week. So let's start with the biggest game, the early slate, Oregon 35, Ohio State 28. I have watched the replay of this one, so I feel like I can contribute a little bit here but the talk out or coming out of this game before i even watched it was the offensive and defensive line for the ducks uh the fact that they were winning at the line of scrimmage we expect and the the, oregon have got this reputation of a high flying high octane pac 12 offense versus a team in ohio state which is in the big 10 the home of offensive line play it's like the godfather of offensive line play and they just got it handed to them Uh, i thought this was the difference in this one i actually watched it i really enjoyed it it was a quality game um, and it was good to see oregon go toe to toe uh, at the line of scrimmage and come out comfortably victorious i thought they were fantastic yeah i mean comfortably is probably a stretch it was seven points yeah, yeah yes okay. they controlled uh, it you're yeah, gonna up. jump on me for that so, so. <laughs> but look, i knew you were it, gonna get on me it's fantastic that, so. and i've yeah. got to eat a bit of a bit of humble pie here because i did not give oregon a chance in this one i, I honestly thought neither did i the the road trip that this is uh and what they were coming up against that they had no chance at all, but they've obviously proven that not to be the case. They were fantastic, and they did it 
by playing solid fundamental football. Like they ran the ball really well. They did not turn it over once and they only committed four penalties on the day. Like you, you need those things to all happen your way. Like you need to execute at that level to beat a team like this. And they did. They went in there. Mario Cristobal was called an excellent game for them. That Ohio State defense that I said was good without being great was was always going to be the the kind of question mark for them. And they got exposed. CJ Vidal just ran right on them and like Mm -hmm. offensively I thought Ohio State was still pretty good they had three receivers who went for over 100 yards that's never happened at Ohio State before ever yeah they yes true but CJ Stroud had his struggles at times like he he missed some open receivers he put some balls in the dirt which is sort of the what you expect from freshman quarterbacks that that's the kind of stuff that we haven't been seeing recently with these super recruits coming in in terms of Trevor Lawrence and and all those boys but he's he's having a few of those growing pains he's going to be a really really good one I don't think there's any question about that but he he wasn't perfect and and not only that Oregon did get a couple of calls there was a couple of pass interference calls that I'm like oh that could have gone the other way there was a holding penalty on an Ohio State offensive lineman that I thought was really harsh and you need some of those things when you go on the road to go your way they weren't necessarily bad calls they were just those 50-50 calls that Oregon seemed to get at the right time Um, but you're right good fundamental football tackling well running the ball Um, I was really really impressed they took chances when it they were aggressive in the play call and going for it on fourth down when they felt they had to, but smart at times as well. Anthony Brown, who I didn't think was half the quarterback Justin Herbert is and probably won't be in the league, has gone and proven that Oregon can go on the road in a big space and win a game like this, which Herbert and that higher octane offense weren't able to do. So I was really, really impressed with Oregon. And there's, you know, with USC losing its head a fraction, they have to be red-hot favourites now for um, the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, they do, but we've, we've seen them have big wins before know, and then, and then shit the bed elsewhere. So now the challenge is to just really rise above that and, and prove that they are uh, a powerful team and that they can represent the Pac-12 here. Uh, McKinley, just a quick note. The DB from Oregon. Now, this um, defensive backfield for Oregon were missing well a couple of players not only that they're missing Kayvon Thibodeau um, as well uh, from the defensive line he's a really really good one and Justin Flo former five-star recruit at linebacker but McKinley jumped off the screen to me from his DB position Um, I thought all the DBs played really really well getting handsy um, aggressive playing the ball really really well and and Mario Cristobal needs some credit he's done a fantastic job there in turning that image around uh, in terms of their reputation their style of play and then going out there and taking a quality scalp something that hasn't happened in the Pac-12 for years yeah certainly they've done a good job all right let's jump across to the Cyhawk here I didn't watch any of this one so Iowa beat Iowa State well I say convincingly I I was keeping an eye on the score on this but Iowa State never really seemed within striking distance particularly when you've got two good defenses on the field it felt like Iowa State were always at arm's length is that actually how this one played out yeah, absolutely. I mean, Iowa controlled this one, and they just seem like the better team at the moment. I think going in to this game, we obviously had Iowa, who had a fantastic Week One uh, win against Indiana, and uh, an Iowa State team that just scraped by not Northern Iowa. But we both still felt like this was Iowa State's game that they were going to win, that they were the favorite going into this one, and it just wasn't the case. I mean, Iowa State continued their impressive run and and it's that dominance up front against a very experienced and very solid Iowa State team that they just enabled themselves to kind of control the game and and like they didn't get away from they weren't able to burst off these big runs on the ground but it was enough to just move the chains and and grind this one and and put up scores that had them comfortably controlling the game. Uh, on the other side, Brock Purdy just looked awful. Like he, he had those bad Brock Pur- Purdy games that, yeah. that should be in the rearview mirror. What is he like a fifty-year senior now? Like he, he's had a shit ton of and experience. He started. He started. This is his fourth year starting, I think, as well. Like he's started a lot of football games. Exactly right, and we're still seeing these absolute brain fades and these terrible decision-making episodes from him and and it's ultimately cost them here so full credit to Iowa and their defense like that they did some stuff to push him beyond his comfort zone but 
that that's not acceptable. And and Kirk Ferentz has shown like Matt Campbell is the hot name in the coaching world. Yeah, he's obviously younger and he's done a great job. But Ferentz is what, as you said, six times now in a row that they've beat him. You've got to respect that. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, on that Iowa State and coming out sluggish, this is a bit of a thing for he, for them and Matt Campbell teams is that they're, they're kind of September, October hasn't, or certainly August, September hasn't been good. Um, don't get me wrong, they're going to come out in conference play now and probably go really, really well as, as is expected. But you drop that one and your national championship hopes are effectively dashed. Iowa, on the other hand, appear to be the team that is going to come out of the Big Ten West, are we? Yeah, Big Ten West, um, that will go and, you would think, go and face a Ohio State, I would suggest at this stage, um, in the Big Ten Championship. Like the, the Big Ten's looking quite good at the moment, so I'm not ready to crown them. Yes, they've looked fantastic these first two weeks, and yes, uh, Iowa's defense is elite, but we've seen some really good defenses in that that Big Ten uh, across yeah, the board now, and and Iowa's t- offense is probably suspect enough for for me to have real yeah. concern. But the Big Ten West sucks. Like Nebraska hasn't been special. Oh, Wis- I say special. They haven't even been good. Wisconsin have been meh, and who else is there? Like Minnesota, that ain't happening. So. You know, it seems to be Iowa's to lose at this point. Anyway, they were the two big ranked matchups in this one. Iowa jumped themselves into the top six, as do Oregon on the back of their wins. And rightly so. I mean, Oregon really should jump up into the top four based on what we learned last week. Um, they should be uh, in looking to further entrench themselves in that playoff. I was going to ask you, how do you feel about it? So, uh, Iowa, what, four? Uh, sorry, Iowa, so eight, five, and in Oregon, the AP four. Poll? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think potentially Oregon, I haven't actually got it in front of me. So if I quickly pull it up, um, but I would think that um, I reckon it could have gone a little bit higher. Uh, so in you, terms you, you of, jump them over the top of OU? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talk about quality wins. You talk about quality wins last week. What have Oklahoma done? Nothing. What have Oregon done? They had that quality win on the road against a former playoff team, um, a, a, a nationally top 10 or top five team in the country for the last few years. I know it's only based on this year, but to me, Oregon have got to go higher than Oklahoma. If, you, if you're saying that Georgia can jump them, then Oregon should jump Oklahoma. I agree. Yes, no. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think both Oregon and Iowa should jump uh, Oklahoma based on the victories that they've had. I, I just think that's where the inconsistencies come. And that's the frustrating part is that, yes, are Clemson better than Ohio State? You could argue either way there. Uh, Georgia jumped for it, but Oregon don't. Like, I don't understand. I know, And this is where I hate the preseason rankings because Oregon are coming from deeper. If they were a top five team already, they do jump Oklahoma there. But because they're not, they pay the price for that. That's their little tax for not starting inside the top eight or nine on the year. And anyway, uh, I don't have too Texas many A&M issues. dropped two spots uh, after yeah. beating Colorado. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's probably fair as well. Like That looked ugly. <laughs> um, I think Florida at 11 is a concern with their... Uh, quarterback problems at the moment or maybe not problems maybe problems i'm not really sure um and then miami went backwards as well so um there's lots of teams kind of jumping all over the place here anyway uh that is the ap poll in a very brief uh and short time so let's head to some other upsets and close calls texas a&m 10 needed that late touchdown drive to beat colorado 7 you would have watched this one because you're a bit of a texas a&m homer surely their offense cannot be that bad now no haynes king went out with an injury but surely this offense is not that bad yeah, it was a bit of a funny game, this one. And, like, Colorado really genuinely could have won this. And, and like, it seems crazy to think that when, when you're doing it. It, it. As you said, it wasn't played in Boulder in, in the lead-up to. I, I thought this was a, a home game for them, but it was kind of a neutral site in that uh, mile-high stadium there. And, 
I mean, Haynes King obviously going down really rocked them. And, and uh, it was what Zach Calzada who uh, came in yeah, yeah. Um, to, to fill in. And he just he looked a little underdone, looked like he wasn't ready for it. Uh, yeah. and, and Colorado were able to capitalize on that. Like, this is still a Power 5 conference team. I think that they're kind of earning a little bit of a reputation as being uh, a real underrated program because they get absolutely no respect on the national scale. But it's a couple of years in a row now where they're, they're doing a lot better than I think people uh, give them credit for. I would definitely have gone to school in Colorado. Boulder seems like a sweet place. Um, I would, yeah, that looks good. Um, they AM put together two late drives. I, I didn't, again, I didn't see this. I was sort of keeping an eye on the game cast and stuff as we were loitering around, loitering around the hospital. But um, did Colorado go gun shy? Did they have a chance to actually go and win this game at the end? Because Texas A&M, that, that's what I feared. I saw it was 7-3. Texas A&M maybe missed a field goal or went for it on fourth or something. And Colorado turned the ball over with about six minutes to go something like that and i was like oh if colorado can put together a drive here um and then maybe uh you know pin them deep at worst or take three minutes off the clock pin them deep you give yourself a better chance but it, then i looked at the game cast they went run run and punted on third like a very quick three and out texas march the field and scored and i just thought oh did colorado have a chance here to go and actually grab this game or win it rather than playing to not lose it Oh, look, I think what we haven't mentioned, what we do need to give credit to is Texas A&M's defense. It is really good. And and Colorado didn't have the same amount of skill. So they played a really good game, but would they put up seven points? And, mm. like, this, this A&M defense is really good. That last drive that they had there, I think they had... Uh, a taunting penalty that that moved them down the field and did most of the work for them there to to kind of progress. They didn't have they weren't able to generate a lot anywhere. So mm. I, like I'm I'm not discounting the fact that Texas A&M's defense is very much what allowed them to win this game. And and Colorado, full credit to them, were in it, but it was still an elite defensive unit that uh, recorded the outcome here. Uh, Texas A&M. Uh, good enough to be in the top five or six, yes or no? No. Okay, interesting. Cool. Because well, you were banging the drum for them last year. Uh, and, uh, absolutely. Like, uh, Haynes and, King... I know it's a different I, team. Like, I'm not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, Haynes King, uh, I don't know the extent of the injury and how long he's going to be out for, but I don't even know if he's the guy yet either. Like, mm. you need to be a top five team, I think you need to have a really, really good quarterback. I think they've got a really good Fair defense, shot. and I think they've got yeah. a few pieces. Like, uh, the CJ uh, Spiller Who's, or... Oh, yeah, CJ Spiller, yeah he's a really good one. And that catch that he made uh, to score on their score was absolutely fantastic. He was held well in check, but he's a player. They've got that uh, tight end of theirs who's superstar too. But the the, the quarterback position is so important and and we haven't seen it for him. So that's where I think they're they're Mm. let down a bit. All right, let's head to Miami, who the most exciting thing in this game appeared to be the cat falling from the stadium, uh, but they hit a late field goal to beat App State 25-23. I haven't gone back and watched this one. I probably won't. I, I watched the last couple of drives, um, but things just don't seem quite right in Coral Gables at the moment. Derek King, there has to be some concerns around him. Don't get me wrong, he's moving right. He's moving well when he when he decides to run. But you got to question, something's just not sitting quite right with the timing there offensively. Having said that, you don't want to let a team beat you twice, which is a common kind of statement in, in the football world, particularly in college football. But Bama beat them last week. You can't then allow a letdown on the back of that disappointment to have an impact and then beat you again when you play up state. That didn't happen. Um, and I think how they play against Michigan State is going to be the true indicator of how this season goes. If they go and win that one, it's at home, it's at the rock. Uh, if they win that one and control that one, they open eight-point favorites, then I think there's some positive signs. If they play, if they lose, or it's this murky, messy offensive performance, uh, I, I'm, I'm nervous for how the rest of Miami's season could go. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you've got to give credit to App State in this one. They're a good program, and I said that going into this. I think all of your uh, 
analysis coming in this game was, well, last time we played Upstate, we beat the piss out of them, and we're a program who beats the piss out of <laughs> these, not these teams. My analysis. And I think the you were just completely dismissive. Is it is. Oh, absolutely. But App State are a well-coached program. They're a disciplined program. And they, know how, like? to, they know how to win football games. And I think like? that showed out in this one. Like, I 100% agree. Miami have the talent there. But App State are a really, really strong group of five team. I think their record shows that over the years that they've come up. And they almost provided a really big upset here. So I think um, some credit needs to go to them. And... Like also to Miami to, to dig out of that spot. They didn't have it their own way, but they still managed to do what they needed to do to get a win because it would have been absolutely devastating for them if they if they didn't. If I mean, they, they pretty they pretty much controlled the I'm not controlled the game, but certainly it's not like App State blew them out of the water offensively or anything like that. There was a kick hundred yard kick return and stuff like that. Yeah, that, it, it just felt like late that App State were coming and, yeah, and, yeah. and it felt like they could, you know, and it felt like the momentum was their way, but Miami were able to do enough, so USC gets stung by your Stanford Cardinal 42-28. That is a blowout. And we said the Pac-12 could not afford to cannibalize itself this year. And USC was one of those teams that needed to be perfect. They weren't. Stanford jumped out of the blocks, um, managed to control this game. What it would appear control this game start to finish. And maybe... Maybe they're better than what you give them credit for. Oh, or maybe USC should just fire that entire coaching staff and just start from scratch because this is just woeful. Stanford are not good and they completely dominated USC in this game. Like, I, I don't understand how they can have the dudes that they do and then put up such a piss poor performance against the Stanford team at home. They're playing at fucking home against Stanford. Like, oh. The Stanford have just come off of uh, another road game where they got absolutely pantsed by Kansas State. There's no excuse for this. David Shaw is still a good coach. An offensive mastermind. Well, no, he's he's a good coach. And I don't think he's done a very good job over the last couple of years, but I've always rated him as a coach. I think he's a really intelligent guy. He is is that. And he's he's very articulate. I quite like David Shaw. I don't think he's that great a coach, but he'll make a good ESPN analyst one day. Absolutely. Like, listening to him on draft coverages, it's hard not to like him because he just gets it. And you're just like, man, this guy's good. And and he completely dominated uh, this one here. So, US, See, oh, I. What was it? Quarterback position, Keaton Slovis was a you know had had my boy Drake London go. I think he just sees all the targets now and like there's he was good. He was in the end zone. Uh, It was it started defensively for USC. They just couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop uh, a Stanford team who have not been able to get their uh, run game going, but they just kind of ran all over them. Uh, And was it Tanner McKee starting for Stanford? Fresh in, just Mm -hmm. cut them to pieces. This is a guy who's starting, what, his first match ever? (sighs) Rough. Okay, things only get worse for the Pac-12 from here because Utah, the darlings of the Pac-12 South, fall to BYU 26-17. Uh, I did catch the start of this and Utah f- fell behind 10 nothing very, very quickly. And to me, this has to be one of the worst starts to a Utah season that I can maybe ever remember. That was scratchy last week. And then to be completely dominated this week, they looked a step slow on defense and they've just looked average across the board. Historically, Utah teams have been really good defensively. And if they haven't, they've had an offense that's kind of... They've had some side of the ball that's been able to lead the way and and normally a a really, really well-coached team. But I don't know what they do well this year. They just look like a whole bunch of slow, plodding white dudes that just cannot get going. It looks really, really bad. Now, I only saw a little bit of this, but they look completely outmatched, which is totally different to what you expect from Utah. Yeah, they may not get all the gun recruits and yeah, they may be athletically limited on a yearly basis, but the defense is often full noise, disciplined, pressure, tackle well, don't make mistakes. And you know, I just I just can't believe how mediocre Utah look. Um, I know they've never been fantastic, but they win. Um, this year they look, well, this game they looked mediocre and got the result of that mediocrity. Yeah, they absolutely did. I mean, it's you look at the stats, and it's, it's relatively even across this game. Uh, I think 
you know, you've, you've got to be disappointed as a Utah because they were able to establish the run. Like Micah Bernard, the freshman running back that they had there, had a day. He went for 140-odd yards on 12 carries. Um, they, they had a number of guys who were able to contribute on the ground. It's just that Charlie Brewer at the quarterback position has not been able to get anything going yet. And, and you mentioned about it in week one. He, he obviously came across from was it Baylor that um, he's trans- Charlie tra- Brewer. transferred in from. And uh, again, he had a, a relatively disappointing game here. Uh, BYU kind of kept within themselves. They, they did what they needed to do and were able to just get away in a game that just really shocks me. I mean, I shouldn't be. In these big rivalry matchups, they're, they're often close. They're, they're often unexpected. But I, I had high hopes for this Utah team, as, as you mentioned. So did I. And, and they have, yeah, really, really disappointed in this one. Uh, not as disappointing as Florida State. Now, again, I hate being a, a kind of a Miami fan and, and ragging on Florida State, but you've got to win ugly at times, and that's okay. And a lot of teams did that last week uh, against their some of you know, the FCS schools or whatever. Winning ugly, a win is a win, and you move on. Florida State did not succeed in that particular endeavor. They lose to Jacksonville State 20-17 to on a last play Hail Mary where the defense looked completely like there was this was the last play it wasn't a shock that this was the last play either like this is the classic seconds left on the clock yeah like stand three safeties on the goal line and make them throw it up and bat it down or make them throw short and rally and tackle instead you gave them like a genuine defensive base look and then they just cover two press (laughs) I know and then they just through around it and then walked well, no, into like, the full end. Full credit, zone. he dropped it in the basket. Yeah, like, he did. That, that, that's what was a, the, D- the DB looked like he was trying hard to not give away a PI call. Yeah, and he yeah, just yeah. didn't do anything. I was like, but, like, oh. it, like the part, it all played out, and it felt like one in fifty sort of deal with just where he got it, how he caught it, how he was able to step. But as you said, if they play prevent defense, that doesn't happen. Someone no. just kind of steps forward and just fists the ball into the third row, <laughs> and it's done. A so, week is a long time in football. A week is a long, long time in and football. Like uh, you, you don't make excuses for Florida State coming off of that emotional loss that they had. Like they were right in that one, and you know, oh, it's it's a bit of a letdown. No, that's shit. They 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 uh, have to be really disappointed. This is a program that is working hard to become relevant again, and you can't turn around and do that. Like the fact that they were in a fourteen ten game coming down to the last seconds is what it is. You can put it all in that last play because that is bad. But I was kind of watching this. I, I never watched this game short of that last play highlight, but I, I kind of was looking at the score going, fuck, that's that's close. That's dangerous. You don't want to be playing that game down the stretch because things like this can happen and then you can yeah. just get stunned. Um, the most hilarious bit, which has continued to go viral, is the three cheerleaders at the end of the game when uh, the touchdown's made and they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> that guy's um, face is yeah. time. Um, speaking of close, you mentioned close. Notre Dame Toledo. Uh, now the Irish just managed to get out of this one as well. They seem like they're a little bit all over the shop, but I guess again, winning ugly. A win is a win is a win. Yeah, I mean, but this is the number eight team in the nation that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Oof, they feel real overrated at the moment. Uh, credit to Jack Cohn for just popping his finger and just being like, hey, just put this back in for me and I'm going to go throw the match win and touchdown. That's a baller move. I like that. But the, the rest of the team's kind of letting them down a bit at the moment. Uh, and they've got some work to do uh, if they're going to be genuinely a threat. They've got Cincinnati coming up on the horizon. And I want that to be a good game. I don't want them slipping up before that. Yeah, okay. All right, let's get to the other games. And this is going to be pretty quick, I think. We've hit on most of the big ones. There was a lot of games against FCS teams. But let's start in the Pac-12 because they had the roller coaster. Uh, Unfortunately, Washington couldn't hit a high here and they failed to earn any respectability back this week. They go to the big house and fall 31-10 to Michigan. Uh, It appears that Washington's offense is just straight broken. Uh, Michigan uh, moved the ball on the ground effectively. But what is going on with your Huskies? Uh, how do we get Chris Peterson back? Where do we back the truck up to? And how do we get him back in helping this out? Because yeah, you're right. Broken is right. 
Uh, Cow fall to TCU in a really, really entertaining one, 32-34. Cow led for long periods in this one, but their defense, which has been really good under Justin Wilcox historically, fell away horribly with the game on the line. And um, Cow have got to be probably a little bit disappointed. They did everything right up until three-quarter time, and then TCU just managed to storm home. Yeah, agreed. Uh, that cow defense is supposed to be the strength and it's proved not to be. Uh, Arizona State beat UNLV. Washington State register their first win. Oregon State win. Arizona go down to San Diego State. Now, any thoughts on that game, Will? Because you're big on San Diego State this year. Yeah, look, I did not expect this. I thought oh, Arizona would be better. and They're not, not good. Arizona that, are not that good. They're no, a basket but, case. People talked yeah. about, you know, oh, the, the Big 12 should be trying to lure a couple of programs like Arizona State, Arizona in, into the Big 12. Fucking Cincinnati's heaps better than Arizona. Like oh, Boise's yeah. better than Arizona. Arizona, San Diego State is better than Arizona by a wide margin. <laughs> they are not good at the moment and there's a serious rebuild needed to get them back because they used to be a good football program. Yes, eh, good... Okay, yeah, okay. Let's head across to the ACC. A whole bunch of results here. Duke, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, BC, and Louisville all handle business against meh opponents. NC State, oh, gee, I thought they were going to be okay and, and had some offensive firepower, and I thought this was going to be a really high-scoring one against Mississippi State. Anytime I see an air, like Mike Leach air raid team and they only put 24 points up, I'm like, man sort your shit out like you should be putting up 40 at least anyway nc state go down and this game just wasn't the one that i thought it was going to be yeah look i'm this is one i can kind of rest happy with i, I didn't call many right over <laughs> this week but this yeah. is certainly one i think starkville's a tough place to play tough place to come into they still do have some sec talent in that squad that defense is quite good and i'm surprised mm. as anyone because it's mike leach team that's not really his yeah, mo, yeah. but they have been showing out Mm, clang and a clang. Syracuse fall to a much improved Rockers team, 17 to 7. So Rockers are on the turn. Um, and then on a couple of the more impressive performances in the conference this week, Virginia had complete destruction of Illinois, 42 to 14. Now, say what you will about Illinois. You know, they might not be that good, but you still got to go out and win. And winning big like that means that Virginia. I mean, it appears, and, and as we get to the next game in Pitt, Tennessee, they go on the road and, and 41-34, they manage to to handle the volunteers who, yeah, admittedly aren't good, but you don't see Pitt teams put up 41 points that often against Power 5 teams, especially on the road. So now in the Coastal, you've got Virginia and Pitt looking pretty hot at the moment. Um, you've got North Carolina who got off to a shaky start. Miami looks shaky. Virginia Tech, we don't really know too much about yet. Georgia Tech probably off the pace, but it feels like there's four or five teams and this could go any way here in the ACC Coastal. Yeah, which is fun and exciting. That's what we want to say. Uh, in the Big 12, we've covered most of the big ones here, but Oklahoma State dodging bullets all over the place against Tulsa. They get home 28-23. Talk, talk us through it because you were getting nervous there at the end. Absolutely, I was getting nervous. I was well pissed so this game started at 1.30 and I was still up drinking watching Just this steaming. one I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to ste- I'm going to watch through this and you know Spencer Sanders back in the lineup, starting quarterback the offense is going to come good it didn't it was bad and, and it's like continued on from last year I was kind of optimistic coming into it that we would start to see some progression. I don't know why. Like, we, we lost Chuba Hubbard uh, and essentially all the productive receivers from that group. So And your O-line's it, not as good as what it was. Like, that's, and even, that's every position. That's every, like, Exactly right. Level. When you kind of look at it uh, in that manner, it, it makes sense that they're not very good. The O-line is a massive piece of it. They're, they're getting handled up front. They, they can. There's constant pressure. They can't get any... Uh, push or drive to get an effective run game going. And if you can't oh, do that like... against uh, Tulsa, who just lost to an FCS program, if you can't do that against an FCS program, then you're going to struggle come Big 12 time. And I, I am really worried about that. I think there's some good minutes that they're seeing in these rece- receivers, and there is room for growth, but they need to sort that out out front. Po- on the positive side, it's not all negative. The defense is still good. I still rate the Oklahoma State defense, which still sounds weird, like coming out of my yeah. mouth. 
but they are still doing a good job. They do uh, bring the pressure. I like Jim Knowles likes to dial it up. He's, he's not afraid to kind of just run a lot of blitz on, on third and long and really try and make something happen. And it, it's fun to watch. So they've got some shit to sort out uh, and a tough road game at Boise State on the schedule. I've got a take here. I don't know if I fully agree with it, but I've just formulated this in my head. So Mike Gundy ran one of the most prolific offenses, you know, probably if you remove the last five years, so probably 10 years before that, you know, he was running some really, really good stuff and, and then into the your boy Whedon um, and, and that team in particular and, and always had a high-powered offense. Simple but up-tempo. And all of a sudden, that offense has fallen away a fraction. Uh, the air raid with Mike Leach, simple, up-tempo, has fallen away in terms of points scored. I look at Rhett Lashley at Miami, simple, high-tempo, but has fallen away a fraction in terms of points produced. Now, this is not to say that the air raid can't work, but it seems like now that this fast up-tempo thing is not good enough on its own, you need to have creative play calling. If I look at Lincoln Riley, okay, you've got up-tempo creative play calling. If you look at um, Chip Kelly, it's up-tempo creative play calling, or it was at Oregon. And that was what got them there in the first place. Am I completely off the mark here? Or, you know, you can't just... To me, this is what I'm formulating, is you cannot just have simple up-tempo one-on-one routes and hit that and win now you've actually got to have creative route combinations Sarkeesian was doing it at Bama you've um Ole Miss with um bloody your mate um Lane Kiffin um I nearly said something really inappropriate but and and again we've seen the same thing with Gus Malzahn simple he's spread to run but he struggled at the back end of his Auburn career in terms of putting up points so maybe this simple up tempo doesn't work so much anymore and you've got to be a little bit more um creative and and a better strategist i don't know that's my take i don't know uh, look, right. you're, you're certainly onto something because it, it has changed and like it, it i wouldn't even go back as far as like five years mason rudolph when he was there it was still really productive and it's not bad quarterback players that's doing it 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 just you're right it, it seems to be that there is not enough in that offensive game plan to really challenge teams it's become a bit predictable they figured out how they can somewhat contain it and it, it's not be, being as successful as what it was I, I think you look at uh, coastal carolina and and their kind of creative playbook that they've got they're putting up points every week they mm. play they're putting up points and and that's because they're doing it in new and creative fashions that's really challenging defensive coordinators yeah i'm there we go. Uh, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas State, all one. Kansas go down to number 17, aforementioned Coastal Carolina, but they were competitive in a 49-22 loss. Not the worst kind of result there. It blew out late on them. Like yeah. they, were, they were within one score uh, for a good chunk of it there, and then it uh, kind of got away from them. Across into the SEC, a lot of cruisy games for them. Bama wins. I keep saying Bama. I don't know what's going on here. But that wasn't really good enough for Saban and, you know, what he gets like on team when they play like FCS teams and he just goes in on his team hard. They're not concentrating. He's grumpy in the press conference. So look for Bama to cover next week against whoever they play. Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn, South Carolina, LSU, and Vandy get up against Colorado State. That is an actual real... FBS team that Vanderbilt beat on the road um, too Those on the road fucking ages <laughs> um, the big game in the SEC was your Missouri Tigers and the Kentucky Wildcats Kentucky win this one 35-28 was this as entertaining as the scoreboard would suggest absolutely it was so I watched the second half of this one and first Lexington was popping so this is another one of those games where i was like you can you can feel this and i, I think i sent the message through to you i was like have the stadium sound systems improved or is it just me because they were fucking banging it out between yeah. our plays and it was like quite noticeable and it was going off and they were into it and kentucky were awesome to watch like they were really really good fun uh 
balanced. That Rodriguez was running the yeah, ball. Yeah, he's one of my favourites. Chris he Rodriguez. Was so he's good. Great. He kept putting the ball on the fucking ground. Like, hold on to it, mate. I was waiting for his dad to hop out and do the old Friday Night Lights, just tape it to his hands because it was getting a bit ridiculous. But when he had, like, he was just cutting them apart. So that was good. A bit disappointed for my boy, Connor Bazelak. Like, he had, it was all set up for him. He, he had an opportunity to lead, like, a fourth quarter drive to tie this one up and send it to overtime. And he just kind of flaked out a little bit. He got banged up and then he was limping around. I'm like, I don't want to see that. I don't see that from Tom Brady. He just wins. And that's what I wanted from him. And now between Washington and Basilak, I'm really just all, all of these all of these loves are just fucking letting me down. They're disappointing me. I'm going okay here. Arizona State, UCLA and SMU. So I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on to Wyoming. Go Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's push on into the Big Ten. I, touch on any of these if you want to, but Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Minnesota, Northwestern, Purdue, Nebraska, Indiana, and Maryland all won. Again, pretty average opponents. Yes. No, you got nothing. <laughs> all right, let's hit some helmet stickers. Who were your big performers in week two of Here season we go. 2021? All right, I've refreshed the helmet sticker segment, so it's less stat-oriented and more I'm just giving them out to those that deserve it. So the first one, uh, I'm welcoming the, the four teams that are joining the Big 12. You can get some stickers for joining for making it into the Big 12 and also having a big win this week. All four of them won. Uh, it's probably no, three no. of them were red-hot favourites, but BYU to have that upset there. Obviously buoyed by their new found power fiveness. So good no, on no, them, no, they no. can all have one. Uh, not a Power Five conference anymore, mate. Man, just keep that in mind. Oh, Whatever that even means. What does Power Five go. even really mean? Like that is the exactly. most ambiguous term. <laughs> exactly. Uh, CJ Vidal for his three touchdowns. Oh, yeah. I say it's not a stat yeah. thing, but he was just awesome. So yeah, he's definitely. Dominated. Uh, I'm I'm going Jacksonville State. Uh, you guys get one for knocking over the like. That's, that's the real little brother, David and Goliath shit. There, even though. You know, Goliath has been drinking and terrible for a long time and it's kind of like slurring his words and stumbling he's blown over the out. place. He yeah, he's, he's unshaven. Like correct, he's... all of that. He's that fat Thor in the Marvel that when he really lets himself go, that's the version I'm of Florida State I'm just kind of thinking now. of like an, an ultimate playing on like C-grade on a Sunday uh, coming out and there's just like a tomato sauce and pie stain on the front of his... But still, you know, they got the win. Uh, Incredible last play, so they get some stickers there. Uh, I'm giving a sticker to the USC kicker. So he got ejected on the first play of the game. On the kickoff, targeting, bang, kickers out the game. (laughs) What a boss. Rate that. So uh, the team obviously didn't follow suit, and that just kind of set the tone for the day that they were fucked because they're obviously led by their kicker. Uh, But good on him. And... uh, the last one to get the stickers from me are those involved uh, in the the cat catching incident. So if you haven't had a look, look it up. Uh, I don't know how this happens. I don't know what's going on here, but there's like you can see a bunch of people down in like the lower stands. They've got like a flag. A flag. A flag. Yeah, they've got flags, and, but you can't really see what's going on. And they like zoom up, and then there's just a cat, like a domestic cat, just like hanging by like that old. Uh, motivational posters hang in there he's just hanging there and like the, the cat is stressed he's like oh my god and he's like trying and then eventually falls and then they catch him and i don't like and then he's like the guy's holding it up and everyone's cheering and then it seems oh, to just Simba. be like yeah, yeah. just like scratching the shit out of him and he's just like amped <laughs> up because he's had like it was like everyone's trying lights. to grab the cat it yeah they're, like they're a... grabbing it so aggressively and then it was yeah i know back, it, it looked like, like something is... like a Middle Eastern funeral or something like that. It was getting aggressive, and I was just like, "What is happening?" But anyway. the cat made it, so they uh, they they get stickers for their efforts. Okay, that's a heaps more entertaining segment. I like that one. Uh, okay, Aussies in action. How did the punters go? Fantastic week this week, actually. The, oh, the boys good. really bounced back. So um, we have now had a number of the guys jump into the top 10. So we've got Adam Corsak, Tori Taylor, Lane Wilkins, and Nick Constantino now all in the top 10 in the country. Uh, this week in particular, our, our 
player of the week, Adam Corsack at Rutgers. So he's had a fantastic start to the year, but he had six punts, 313 yards, and an average of 52.2 per, with a long of 69. Not to be left undone, to joining him in the 69 was Tory Taylor, who had a long of 69. Uh, he had eight punts for 409 yards at an average of 51.1. So those two boys Whoa. there, really, really like length That's Ray Guy and numbers quantity. There. That is Ray Guy numbers. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. Uh, also getting above 50 yards is Jordy Sandy. So yep. that TCU game, tight game. You know the difference in that? Having a punter who can kick the ball 50 yards every time he fucking does it. He had five for 252, so fantastic effort there. Uh, Lane Wilkins, who I mentioned, had three for 146, which an average of 48.7. Really, really good. Uh, Nick Constantino uh, helped his Texas A&M team. So offensively, they couldn't do anything, but special teams easy. They uh, could punt the ball a long way. He had eight, eight punts of 392 yards, so an average of 49. And then... Obviously, this is the mile high game. Like you know how they talk about the yeah yeah like other Air's other side thinner, of it. So like air's thinner. So it. he's dropping bombs one way. Josh Watts at Colorado, same deal. Seven for four, three hundred and forty-three, an average of forty-nine. The two of them are literally yeah. standing forty-nine yards apart, just kicking the ball to each other, which is fucking good to see. I like it. Okay, that is that's good gear. You're you're up and about. You bring the energy. Well, I'm a little flat tonight, so thank you for that. Vault Studios, sure thing. Don't know if we should have addressed this because we went one for six this week in our sure thing bet. So um, I'm going to put more time into it. I'm back into the lab this week. I'm going to hit some of these early lines again. I know, come with me. Come with me to the early lines. That's where the money is made. So make sure you get on them. I'm going to have something better for you this week. So here we go. As we continue with our gambling segments, we go on the punt. Is it a win? Is it a loss? It is a... It's a win. To win, hey. win, baby. Two in a row. Two from two. We are off to a flyer here with these on the punts. I don't know what to do with all this money I'm making. So this week, much more subdued, uh, but positive money. So uh, obviously those playing along at home, we're, we're betting the Super Yankee now. Can't lose with it, apparently. Uh, I, I, I had five selections. I had five selections. Normally, you need four to get up to make some, some good money. Uh, all fives are a massive payday. Three, you'd be lucky to break even. I was just lucky that one of my three was Vandy to win outright. Surprised the world, paying 335. They've done that. That's a big tick. So that combined with Mississippi State winning outright uh, over NC State and South Carolina beating ECU, which required a last-second field goal. Those three there had made us a total of 15 units. So last last week it was 245. This week's 15. We're running total of 260 plus. So that's that's all good money. Um, I did miss out on the Ball State Penn State game. So I, I Penn State really just crushed them there. And, and Penn State are a good football team. I think it's their defense. Ball State just could not uh, find a way. And Arizona. I'm not betting on them again. I'll bet against them again this year comfortably, but I will not be backing them. They were <laughs> fucking piss poor. Uh, okay, a couple of my tips here that didn't go so well. So I went three for seven. Missouri and Kentucky took the over, got that one. I went with the risky Iowa-Iowa State over at 45 points. It got to 44. I saw Brock Purdy. I needed more out of you, mate. That was just not good enough. Utah minus six missed. Miami minus seven, eight, whatever you want to put it at. That missed either way. And I also took the over, and that wasn't close. Toledo at plus whatever you want it to be. I saw it at 20 and a half, but it got rained into about 16 by Thursday or Friday. Um, either way, Toledo hit that one. And Temple, minus six against Akron. So pretty happy with that. Wish I'd made that one my sure thing. Um, so if I get up to 60% this year, I am actually going to open a gambling account and actually maybe have a flutter on this. Okay. So what, what did you so say? Three, three from seven is not good. Did, did you get no. your record on week one? You were 50% week one, was 50% it? 50% on that. Yeah. So yeah, okay. I'm shading just under. But again, early days, and I probably am being fractionally aggressive on it because I'm not playing with real money. So from this point on, I'm going to um, probably, if I was putting real Australian currency on it, which I'm not going to do because we're rolling at one wage at the moment, um, then uh, then I will be a little bit more conservative. So anyway, uh, let us move on. Hit me with your long shot. I'm not going to play bloody Burt Bacharach or whatever fucking name is. It's not Burt Bacharach because that's a... Pat Benatar. 
Pat Benatar. There we go. Um, did you hit yours? I can't even remember what yours was. I'm sure it's great because I fucking love this segment. Uh, mine was New Mexico State in the... Uh... There it is. You couldn't resist. Uh, yeah. Look, they didn't get up. They were, they were running it tight here. Yeah, they uh, were. They, they looked likely, but uh, in the end, they reverted to the pumpkins that they are and uh, lost out. So I, I'm feeling like this segment is supposed to be where we hit the upsets and then we've got like the, the other end of it, we've got the sure thing segment. And the sure thing segment, I picked a team to win that was 17-point favourite and then they've gone and lost by fucking 14. So I just need to get my wires right. I'm, I'm on to something. It's just not quite connected right at the moment. How, how did you go? Who did you I have? had Middle Tennessee over Virginia Tech, and that wasn't really that close. Um, I was expecting a bit of a letdown for Virginia Tech. but yeah, they're looking didn't good, Tech. Hey? Tech's looking all right. Tech is looking all right. I've had a quick look at the schedule for next week, just very, very quickly. Don't want to deep dive on this too much, but... It seems like a little bit of a quieter week. Alabama, Florida um, is there at 5 a.m. time slot. So that's that Penn, one. That Penn State-Auburn one for me. Temsta, Penn State-Auburn is the second of two ranked matchups for the week. Um, I'm taking Bama minus the points. I don't care what they are. Uh, I think Virginia-North Carolina has a lot to say in how the ACC Coastal plays out. Um, not that many people care, but we'll get to see how good San Diego State are as they up against Utah next week as well. So um, there's a few kind of interesting spots. Actually, the last ranked matchup, I checked that. There are three. Arizona State, BYU um, will be interesting as well. And I'm going to see if Fresno State can back up their good game against Oregon against UCLA in the mid-afternoon. I've got shitloads of time off now, so hopefully the baby sleeps and I can watch some more football this weekend. Fingers crossed. That brings us to the end of our week two recap. I know it's a day late. We do apologize. Actually, I don't apologize. This is the way life is sometimes. But thank you very much for joining us. Again, hit us at the Vault Studio Podcast, at CFB Down Under on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My name's Aaron. That is Will. And we will see you next time. I